We want to welcome everybody here today. We have finished our 11 doctrines. We reviewed them earlier this morning. We worked our way through all 11. But we have this thing when people join the church called the Soldier's Covenant. On it, we post our 11 doctrines so that they know what they believe. And we've said this this whole week, these whole 10 weeks, because we're now on week 10, that we've been doing this, that it's important for us to know what we believe because what we believe is essential in knowing who we are. And knowing our identity. And so, when people join the Salvation Army, they sign this thing called Articles of War. It's called the Soldier's Covenant. It's not a contract between the Salvation Army and them. It's a contract between God and them. And the thing that is, even though this is a paper document, all supposed to be in here, in our hearts. And that's why, in order for it to be in our hearts, we need to know what it is we believe. And so we walked through the 11 doctrines. And then there's a few more ethical articles, which basically say because we believe these things, we are now going to live this way. And so even though they may be specific to the Salvation Army, the way in which we are calling you to live are beneficial for anyone. Especially those who want to know God, to follow Him, to be part of His family. And so, we're going to look at the first one. Hopefully we may be able to make it through both, but we are definitely going to look at the first one today. Which says, I will be responsive to the Holy Spirit's work and obedient to his leading in my life, growing in grace through worship, prayer, service, and reading of the Bible. Even though that's on our Articles of War, our covenant for our church members of the Salvation Army. Does that not sound like something all Christians should do? I will be responsive to the Holy Spirit's work and obedient to his leading in my life, growing in grace through worship, prayer, service, and reading of the Bible. Now, what did you guys want to be when you grew up? What did you want to do? Anybody want to huh? Anyone else? A nurse? A cop? Go to the army. Go to the army? How many of you guys actually did what you wanted to do when you were a kid? No. 
to get where you needed to be, to do what you thought you wanted to do, right? I'll admit, I love reality television. Some of my favorite shows are things like America's Got Talent and The Voice. And I especially love the younger kids. In fact, in this past season of America's Got Talent, some of the top contenders like for the prize were all young kids. And in fact, the girl who won was Evangeliquist, right? Yes. Have you guys ever tried to talk without moving your mouth? No. It's not as easy as you would think, right? But she had a plan. She had seen it on TV and she decided that's what she wanted to do. So she talked her parents into giving her a Evangeliquist puppy. And then she worked her way through. She practiced daily. She got a coach to help her. And so through that, through practice and dedication and coaching, she was able to do and train herself to become what she wanted to be, a ventriloquist. And through her faithfulness, she realized her dream, right? But she didn't just wake up one day going, I'm going to be a ventriloquist and never had to do anything to get there. Right? Even with sports, professional athletes, people in the Olympics, for instance, gymnastics. They don't wake up one day going, you know what, I am going to go to the Olympics as a gymnast. You think they never practice again? No. They actually probably practice every day, hours of the day. They dedicate themselves to getting where they want to go. When people do professional things, whatever profession it may be, there are steps and processes that we have to go through to achieve, to get where we want to go, right? If we wanted to be a nurse, we had to go to what? School. We had to train to do that, right? Even hobbies like painting or fishing, or even computer games, right? They have to play those and play them frequently. You have to paint. <coughs> and the more you paint, the better you get, right? <coughs> we invest ourselves. We've got some knitters, right? You do it a lot and you get better and better, but it takes hours, doesn't it? So the question that we need to ask ourselves today is when it comes to being Christian, are we as goal-oriented in our Christian walk as we are in other things in our lives? Are we passionate about our faith? Do we invest as much time in it as we do some of our hobbies? 
giving God glory our absolute first priority? Are we really serious about spending eternity with Him in heaven? And if we are, what do we do to get there? What do we need to do to get to that final reward? We talked about it in Doctrine 11, right? To be deemed righteous. What does our lives need to have happen? Now, we've got some people who knit, right? Did one day you just pick up some knitting needles and decide that you were going to make a sweater or slippers or a scarf? You learned, right? You had to have some instruction. Somebody had to teach you what to do. If you're a profession and you want to learn to do something, you go to what? School for that, right? Even in today's society, let's say you wanted to learn how to paint, you wanted to do something. We have websites and social media sites dedicated to helping people be able to do things. Pinterest, right? You want to learn a craft? Pinterest will help you. Someone who has already done it will instruct you how to do it. There are YouTube videos about how to do things that people watch, right? I have a friend who has a son, really a gifted musician. He can pick up almost any instrument he wants to and teach himself how to play it. But I mean teach himself is the fact that he watched a couple YouTube tutorials, YouTube videos on how to do and play these instruments. And he can go from there. Instruction is required. And in order to gain instruction, we need a teacher. Whether it be the internet, or a family member. I know earlier we said, hey, and during Sunday school we talked about knitting, right? And we said that uh, one of the people, one of the family members who talks was a father, right? Your father instructed you how to do that. He was your teacher. So when it comes to being a Christian, who is our instructor? Who do we learn from? God. God himself through Jesus, through the Bible, and through the Holy Spirit teaches us. John 16, 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. When you become a member or soldier of the Salvation Army, You're saying that you are accepting, acknowledging the fact that the Holy Spirit has become your teacher and leader in navigating this world. 
And even though that may be something that you are to acknowledge when you become a member of the Salvation Army, that is something that all of us should be willing to acknowledge as Christians. The fact that the Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us into how we live our lives. Because we, if we guide ourselves, if we plan our own lives, can often make mistakes. We do not have everything. And when it comes down to it, sometimes we don't even know half of what we think we do. First Corinthians 3, verses 18 through 19. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 19 says this. Do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. If any of you think you are wise according to the standard of the world, how many of you guys think you're pretty smart? You know, you've been to school. How many of you have been to high school and have a high school diploma? How many of you guys went to college? Got a degree, things like that, right? I'm getting my master's right now, and I will be the first to admit I do not know everything. In fact, I don't. Sometimes I feel like I don't know anything. Right? You ever felt like that? Or sometimes you think you've got it all figured out, and then you don't. It's a humbling process, isn't it? Socrates said, I know I know nothing. Yeah. Socrates, I know I know nothing. <laughs> Just when we think we may have it all figured out, oftentimes life has a way of reminding us that we don't. We're going to look back at 1 Corinthians. This time I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase. And it says, don't fool yourselves. Don't think you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be gospel, for that's the true path, or that's the path to true wisdom. What the world calls smart, God calls stupid. <laughs> what the world calls smart, God calls stupid. You can have all the knowledge and wisdom the world owns. You could be able to memorize any book you've ever read. But if one of them is the Bible, and you don't know how to live it and apply it, then you know nothing. Right? There's a scripture about that, right? You can be considered socially appropriate and 
socially wise, up to date on the ways of the world, enlightened to today's society. But if the word of God is not what is enlightening you, if the spirit is not directing you and guiding you, you can claim to be enlightened all you want. But you are in the dark. In today's society, things have become socially acceptable that we know for a fact are pleasing to God. And you can be enlightened according to the standards of today's society, wise, in all the ways of the world. But if these things contradict God, if these things contradict the Holy Spirit, if we want to grow in grace, We not only need to follow a teacher and have a leader, we need to be able to do what the teacher tells us to. We need to be willing to follow the path the leader has taken. If you want to learn a trade, learn a habit, you get a teacher, right? But you can watch all the tutorials and spend all the time you want with the teacher. If you don't put into practice what they teach you, if you don't work at it, it's useless knowledge, right? Because you are not using it. So do you want to live a successful life as a Christian? We look back at Article 1, it says, I will be responsive to the Holy Spirit's work and obedient to his leading in my life, growing in grace through worship, prayer, service, and reading of the Bible. I will be responsive to the Holy Spirit leading. Not, I will let him be my leader, but that I will follow where he leads. Right? open to the guidance, obeying his leading and growing in grace. Just like if we want to master something, we have to submit ourselves to the time needed. If we want to become something. If we wanted to go to school to do something, right? There's a certain step course of instruction that we have to follow through with, right? And we have to follow it through to the completion. We may have to exercise some discipline in our lives in order to study what we need to retain, right? And the same is true with our Christian faith. We need to follow 
spiritual disciplines. Obedience to the guiding of the Spirit. Because it makes no difference in our lives. We are still who we used to be and not who we could be. Who God wants us to be. If we never do what he has called us to do. You could hear him, and we said this during our testimony time, right? He could be speaking to us all the time. But if we are listening and if we are following through with it, we aren't responding back through action. Then we are failing. We are not being obedient. And we learned in Doctrine 5 that disobedience gets people in trouble, right? We believe that our first parents were created in a state of innocency, but by their disobedience, they lost their purity and happiness. Through obedience lays the way to happiness, right? Obedience to God. Obedience to the leading of the Spirit. Another one is fellowship. Fellowship with the saints. Fellowship with believers. Attending church. We're checking that off right now. Way to be obedient, guys. Way to be practicing spiritual discipline. Now people go, well, the Bible really doesn't talk about going to church. Because when they were addressing issues in the church, them getting together wasn't an issue. <laughs> in fact, one of the issues they had was gossip. That's mentioned in the Bible, right? Because they got together and started running their mouth. And Paul had to govern them and say, when you get together, here are some things you should do and not do. Right? Fellowship. Maybe one of the easier spiritual disciplines to actually follow through with. Surrounding ourselves with believers and fellowshipping with them so that we can support them and they can support us and together we can encourage each other to grow. The Bible does mention fellowship, though. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up the meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. How many of you guys have ever built bonfire. Anybody ever built a bonfire or fire? Do you just throw sticks in any order or do you have to stack them? You arrange them, right? Now what happens if you didn't stack one properly or if you pull one out? It crumbles down, right? It's kind of like if you've ever played that game Jenga. 
The goal is to remove wood pieces and stack them back on top of each other without knocking the whole tower over. And if you remove the wrong piece, it all comes tumbling down, right? And there's not enough support. And what is being built crumbles. And that is true for us. If we don't support our Christian faith enough through spiritual disciplines, obedience, and fellowships by surrounding ourselves with other believers, other deep Christians, then what we are working on building will surely crumble with a good gust of Another spiritual discipline, prayer. Now, prayer is not to be taken for granted. We have been given this unique privilege of being able to go before God.
not to be afraid, right? One for each day. 340 times pray. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. A few years ago, there was an acronym that came up. Push. Pray until something happens, right? Pray without ceasing. The Bible even tells us we have not because we ask not, right? Interestingly enough, how many of us had not realized that prayer itself is a spiritual discipline essential to helping us become stronger as Christians? Now, prayer can take on many different forms. It can look different in our lives. As long as we know who we are praying to, what we are praying for, if we do it with earnest and sincere hearts. But pray without ceasing. Does that mean that we are to spend the rest of our lives on our knees? No. It's to teach us that we are to be in such a relationship with God that that line of communication between us is always open. Allow the Spirit to guide you on how you pray best, how you communicate. Because we all have different communication styles. But allow the Spirit to guide you in your prayer life dedicating yourself to spending time. A relationship doesn't work if you don't talk to each other. If you don't spend time with each other. And so we are called to, as Christians to be in a relationship with God. We have to be able to put that time in. Talking. Praying. the last one, reading the Bible. Like prayer, the Bible is not to be taken for granted. Now, Bible reading, especially in some of the Old Testament books, can be hard. A lot of times we're tempted to just skip over those and go straight to the Testament, right? But in Timothy, we're told that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for the teaching, right? Bible reading, reading it and learning from it, is probably an area where a lot of Christians fall short. And the reason that we need to actually start surrounding ourselves and delving in the Word and knowing it 
I think of two particular reasons. The first, we talk about the fact that we are going to be tempted, right? The devil will come after us when we are allowed the spirit to lead us. Because that's not what he wants out of us. The devil is trying to drag as many people down with him. Doctrine 11 talked about the endless punishment of the wicked. That's where the devil's going, that's where he wants us to go. So he's going to try to drag us down. And here's the thing. The devil knows the Bible. When he was tempted Jesus, he used scripture. The thing was, Jesus was able to rebuke him with the word as well. And so if we are going to face temptation, we need to know the word of God to strengthen us, to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. We have surrendered ourselves to the guidance and allowing the Holy Spirit to work, and we're responsive to that work. And we are praying, we are fellowshipping, and we're worshiping. And we're not reading our Bible. Then we are falling short. Because these are all puzzle pieces that make up one picture. In order to be responsive to the leading of the Spirit, we have to know the Word. Because then, when we know the word, that's how we can test the leading of the Spirit. And know that we are walking in God's way. And walking in His will. We're told that the word is a lamp for our feet. To the path in which we are to follow, right? Psalms 119. The question. It's just like any training that we take. There's often textbooks in school, right? Instructional videos, instructional books on how to do anything. From profession to hobby. And we read those books, don't we? Knitting. There's magazines. There's patterns. You read those, right? But are we reading the Word with the same dedication we would take to reading secular self-help books? Are we relying on His Word? If we claim to know God, but fail to know his word, then we lie. Because God reveals himself to us in his word. How do we know that God is love? The Bible tells us so, right? We teach kids that. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. How do we know that we can be saved from our death of sin? How do we know that the wages of sin is death? 
the Bible. How do we know that we can be saved? The Bible. So we don't know his word if we're not reading his word. We are falling short. Obedience, fellowship, prayer, and reading the Bible are essential spiritual disciplines in order to be responsive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. life by these spiritual disciplines is easy. There's an old saying that if you're having trouble sleeping, open your Bible, start reading it, and you fall asleep, right? You guys ever heard that before? Sad. Sad. But it kind of happens, right? Why do you think that happens? Because there is a reason somebody out there doesn't want you to know the word, right? That's why it's called a spiritual discipline in reading your Bible, because it's not always easy. Prayer and Bible reading are like inhaling and exhaling. Right? It's like a conversation. How many of you guys have ever prayed about something and then found it in the Bible? God used revelation through his word to show you an answer to your prayer, to give you guidance. That's the spirit, and that's you being responsive to the leading of the spirit. But we need to be fully surrendered to that. And so the question we ask today is, are you responsive to that. And when you're responsive to that, it shows through your service. Being of service to others. Serving others is a spiritual Because putting others' needs before your own is not always And sometimes, serving others, no matter who they are, where they're from, can be a little testing for us. And sadly, Christians do not have a good rap when it comes to service. Because we have gotten in the way of performing service the way God has. You want to know what service is to look like? You go back, you read your Bible, you learn from the leader, the teacher, and you see how Jesus did service. Who he ministered to, who he sought out after. Because it looks a lot different than what we may think, doesn't it? We need to be in service for God. For the people 
and understand that service for God includes worship, like we are doing here today. But it also includes serving others. We learned that last week, right? The sheep and the goat, the righteous and the wicked. Mr. Keith Green taught us that the difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and didn't do. That Jesus says, what you have done to the least of these, you have done unto me. We can perform service for God by doing service for others. By helping other people. And if you want to know who to help, that's where the responsiveness to the Holy Spirit comes in. Because if we allow him to guide us and lead us, he will show us who he wants us to do, minister to. He will show us who needs to be touched by the Holy Spirit, to know God's love. We just need to be able to be open enough to be responsive to it. And so we're going to take some time in prayer. as we do, just take this time make a commitment to be responsive to the Spirit to utilize these disciplines in your life, to be obedient committed to fellowship, surrounding yourself with believers that can build you up and that you can build up in return to prayer to reading your Bible and applying it in your lives, learning from the Word, and committed to being of service for God, for people, helping others in His name. That He would take your life and use it for His will. So we invite you to take this time in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we come before you. Take our lives. May they be dedicated to you. May you open our hearts so that we would be, be responsive to the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Following your guidance, your direction. Allowing us to grow in grace through worship and fellowship, prayer, service, and even reading the Bible, Lord. Strengthen us that we can be obedient obedient to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Committed to following you. We ask these things. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.